Good morning. Good to see all of you here today. We're so glad that you came to worship with us. As Shane said, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 20 in just a moment. Uh, just to kind of wrap our minds around where we're going and to get us thinking, I got a question for you. And the question is this, how many of you, when you were younger, uh, liked to play war games? Anybody? All right, quite a few of you. So when I was young, we would go outside, we would find sticks that would be laying around, and, and we would make swords out of those sticks. And we would go after each other, we would divide up into different uh, teams, and we would try to go and poke people with the stick. We weren't trying to hurt them, usually, um, and, or most of the time, I should say. And uh, we would go and we would tag people with the stick, and they were out, and we would see who's the last one standing. As I got a little bit older, I found some more strategic games that were out there, uh, like Battleship. Anybody play Battleship? Like Battleship? Still a great game today. Uh, there was also a board game that was just simply called War, and there was strategy in the board game, and you had to go in and, and uh, figure out how to take out your opponents. Uh, some people uh, like to play chess. I never was smart enough to play chess, but I kind of understand that's kind of like a war game as well that has some strategy involved. Well, when I got a little bit older and was an adult at this time, I was pastoring uh, up in Liberal, and our youth pastor decided that he was going to bring the youth group to Amarillo to go and play paintball. Anybody know about that? Uh, paintball, a great war game. You go out and divide up into teams and you actually get to shoot somebody now. So we go and we go to the facility here and they take you in and they set you down. They give you all the rules. And the main rule is this, that this paintball can actually put your eyeball in the back of your head if you don't wear these nice goggles that we have for you. And so they give you these goggles that you can't see out of, and they fog up as you get going. And so you're always wanting to take the goggles off and see, but now you're afraid because you had to sign a waiver that said, we will not sue you if we get shot in the eye type deal. And so we go out and we divide up into teams. And as we divide up into teams, I'm told that they've come up with this great idea that they're going to line the teams up in two rows facing each other. And as they face each other, they want to everybody to shoot the person in front of you one time with paintball just so you can get the feel of what it's like to be hit with a paintball. Well, that's a great idea. Well, what I did not know was this was a strategic plan to sabotage me. So as soon as they counted to three and you hear three, I'm ready to shoot the person in front of me and several of the guys, some of them even on my team, all turned their guns on me and began to fire these paintballs at me. Now I learned three things that day. Thing number one was that paintballs hurt. Not only do they hurt, but they leave whelps and they leave bruises on you. And number two, never trust a youth pastor. <laughs> Ever. I should have known this because I was one for a long time. But I was not prepared that day. The third thing that I learned is to always be battle ready. Because you never know where the attacks are going to come from. Something just dawned on me that I need to figure out. Because I believe at this time, Shane, were you in liberal at that time? And did you go on that trip with it? I'm beginning, all right, now that changes things. All right, so, okay, so if you would, again, in Ephesians, we're going to be uh, finishing up today. We've been going through this great book. Ephesians is a great 
study it as a powerful exploration of our identity in Christ and the way that we should live our lives in light of who we are in Christ, what Christ has done for us and the salvation that we now have through Him. And Paul begins in chapter 1 by showing us our identity as followers of Christ. And he reminds us that we have been redeemed through the blood of the Lamb, through the blood of Christ. We have been redeemed. And because of that redemption, we now should live our lives differently than we did before we came to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. And just to help you understand, to remind you what that means, that before we come to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, because of sin that has entered into the world, that we have been separated from God. And God provided a way for our salvation through His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And when we place our faith and trust in Him, we are redeemed now in Him. We're able to stand clean before the Father because of what Christ did on our behalf. And so Paul is saying, because of what Christ did for us, our lives should look differently. And if you go back to chapter 1 of Ephesians, you see towards the end of that chapter, he begins a prayer for all believers, for all the saints, that we would live with the Holy Spirit filling us in our lives. We would live our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. He prays that we would no longer seek the things that only please the flesh that we would seek the things that are pleasing to God and to live our lives loving the way that Christ loved. Live our wives' lives serving the way that Christ served. And so he begins through this book of Ephesians to lay that out of what this life of a redeemed person looks like. And so Paul is calling all, all Christians who are now new creations in Christ to live a supernatural life. To live a life that is completely different than the life we had before. It is a supernatural life that imitates Christ. Living as Christ lived. And serving and loving as Christ loved and served. And now we get to the end of this book. And Paul wants us to share, wants to share one more thing with us. He goes through all of this and basically he's saying, in light of all this, finally there's one more thing that you need to know. And what he's about to share with us is very important for us to understand. It's very important for us to get a hold of this, to, to grasp this in our life, if we are going to live a life that pleases God. So let's pray, and then we're going to read this passage together. Father, I thank you again for this day, a day that we can come together, we can worship, and we can uh, just hang out with one another, study your word together. And God, I pray that as we study your word today, that you would use your word to speak to our hearts. And God, it would not be my word today, but it would be your word that people would hear and people would focus on. Because God, we know that it is your word that changes life. And we know that your word will accomplish what you have set forth for it to accomplish today. So help us be ready to receive and to hear from you this morning. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So look with me if you would. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verses 10 through 20. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world 
and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan to the good, uh, that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him as I should. So Paul, in this book, is telling us how we should live our lives in a way that is pleasing to God. To live our lives, not to please our own fleshly desires, to please the things that the world says that you should be living for, but to live in a way that pleases God in your life. And again, he goes through several things. And if you remember last week, we looked at relationships and how pleasing God in our relationships is how we should live our lives. And we have seen this all throughout. And now he says this one more thing that you need to be aware of. And he says, you need to stand firm. Why is he telling us to stand firm? Well, the first thing I want you to see this morning is that we are in a constant battle. We are in a constant war. And this is not an everyday, ordinary battle. This is a supernatural battle that we are in. And so he says, I want you to stand firm because you are in a battle. This is not a battle that we can see, but it is a battle that is very real. This is not a battle that we can get up in the morning, we can open up our curtains and look out and see all this stuff that's going on. This is a battle that is unseen. It is helping, happening in a realm that we cannot get a glimpse of, but we know that this battle is taking place and we need to be ready for this battle. It's a supernatural battle. So Paul is telling us how to live in this wonderful Christian life where we come to this wonderful church full of wonderful believers, and we all love one another just as He told us to love one another. We all live every day in unity with one another. And then He goes on and tells us how we're to live together in a family unit, how husbands should love their wives and wives love their husbands and children should obey their parents and parents should love their kids the way they're supposed to. And then He takes us into the workplace and how we should get along with people that we work with and how we should show the love of Christ to them. And He gives us this great picture of what the Christian life is to look like. And how well are we doing at that? As we were going through this whole book, I'm sitting there every week going, wow, I'm kind of missing the mark there, right? And we all do. I mean, but it's what we should be striving for. And really, when we look through Scripture, we see that as we come to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we began as baby Christians. But we don't stay there. And we continue to grow in our relationship with Christ, hoping that today I look a little bit more like Christ than I did yesterday. 
And then some days we get up and go, man, I really blew yesterday, so today's going to be easier to look like Christ. Right? And we have that in our life. And, but when we begin to understand what is happening in this realm that we cannot see, that we are in a supernatural battle, then some of these things begin to make sense to us. It begins to make sense to us why Christians who were once getting along inside the church are now bickering inside the church, who are now going after each other, usually on stuff that doesn't matter whatsoever. And we begin to understand that there's a spiritual battle that is going on. And we begin to see that inside the family, when a husband and wife is not treating each other like Christ tells us to treat each other, we now begin to understand it makes sense to us because we are in a spiritual battle every day of our lives. Every day the enemy is coming after us and wants to separate us. When parents and children are not getting along, when things are happening in the workplace, we we begin to understand. So we need to be reminded that we are constantly, constantly in a battle. Matter of fact, we are living in a battle zone. This week as I'm preparing and I'm watching the news and seeing what's happening over in Israel and we're watching the battle zone, I'm sitting there watching going, man, those people's lives on both sides are being changed drastically because a battle will change your life. A war that is going on will change your life. And it is so true in our Christian life that the battles that we face change our lives. The question is, which way do they change them? Hopefully they're changing them for the good. And when we recognize that there's this battle every day and we're ready for this battle, then we understand what we need to do, how we need to respond. So we have a supernatural war that's going on, the supernatural battle, and we need to be battle ready. Secondly, we have a supernatural enemy that we're facing. We're in a supernatural battle with a supernatural enemy. Paul says here in verse 12 that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So Paul's giving us this picture of who we're in battle with. And this is not flesh and blood, but this is an enemy that we cannot see. It's an enemy that has a lot of power and that is out there coming against us every day. Now keep in mind that when Satan was kicked out of heaven because of his rebellion to God, that he didn't get kicked out of heaven alone, that there was a third of the angels that went with him. And when Satan was kicked out of heaven, Satan is now our number one enemy, right? But there's only one of him. But there are many demons or fallen angels that are at work with him. And they're out work in this realm that we cannot get a glimpse of, and they are coming against us, and we are fighting a supernatural enemy. And in John 10.10, it says that the purpose of the enemy is this, to come, to steal, to kill, and what? Let's say it all together. To come to steal, to kill, and? Come to steal, to kill, and? What's he want to do? He wants to destroy us. He wants to take us down. The more you walk with God, the more you look like Christ, the more He wants to come after you. The more He wants to attack you. The more He wants to steal, to kill, and destroy in your life. 
You need to understand today that Satan, along with all of his mighty warriors, hates the light and anything that is in the light. And in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul reminds us that you were once in darkness, but now you are in the light. So live as Christians, live as children of the light. Darkness hates the light. And so the more we are a light in this world, the more the enemy is going to come after us. The more he's going to attack. Now that's some good news, right? (laughs) You're like, wow, what did I sign up for? Well, let me let you in on a little secret. When you were born, you entered into this battle. And this battle is going on whether you're a follower of Christ or you are not. And if you have chosen not to follow Christ yet, there's a battle that is going on that you're in the middle of every day, and it's a battle for your very soul. And Satan wants to keep you, and he will do everything he can to keep you from coming to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Because he knows that's where you find hope, is through Jesus Christ. That's where you find life, is through him. And he wants to do everything, and he will do everything he can to keep you from coming to know Christ. But once you become to know Christ, now he wants to do everything that he can to stop you from growing in that relationship and being a light in this dark world. He hates the light, and he will do everything he can to stop the light. So that's the bad news, but he moves on. He doesn't leave us right there, and I'm so grateful for that. Notice what he says. We have this supernatural power. So back in verse 10, he says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Notice he doesn't say, try to stand on your own. Try to face this enemy on your own. You can do this. Come on, stand up. You can do this. No, what he says is be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I can't tell you how many times in my life that for some reason I think that I can stand against the enemy in my life. That somehow on my own, I can can handle this. Somehow on my own, I can go against this battle. You know, maybe God's too busy today for Him to give me His power. But let me remind you today that Scripture tells us Greater is the one that lives inside of us than the one that lives inside the world. It never says that greater are you than that enemy. But greater is the one who lives inside of you, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Greater is He than the enemy that we face. And I will say greater is He than any enemy we face that we do see or that we do not see. Greater is He. And He says you need to lean on that supernatural power. You need to trust in that supernatural power. Because it is that power that will see you through. Now again in verse 10, He says to stand firm. To stand firm in that power, that is to stand firm in the faith that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love the songs that we sang this morning. It's talking about how how Christ conquered the grave. Christ conquered death. Christ has conquered the enemy once and for all. And when we stand firm in Him, we stand firm in His power to defeat the enemy and we can stand strong. Now it helps us to understand what the strategies of Satan are. And as we read through Scripture, we see Satan's strategies, and there's several of them, but there's two that I want us to think about this morning to kind of wrap our minds around. I I think these are a couple of his big ones. And the first strategy is this, to cause people to doubt God in their lives. He wants us to doubt God. 
We see that in Genesis when you have Adam and Eve in the garden and they have everything that they could ever want. And God says you can eat of all the trees of the garden except for one. Just leave that one alone. And what happens? The serpent comes. And he begins to question and causes them to doubt what God says. He says, did God really say? They began to get them to question God's Word. And we know what happens. They are disobedient to God and now sin enters into the world. And then you keep reading in the Old Testament, you run across uh, Abraham and Sarah. Remember Abraham and Sarah? At 75 years old, Abraham is told that you're going to have a son. And this son is going uh, to become a great nation. God gives Abraham a promise, and, but Abraham and Sarah are old and they begin to doubt that that is going to be able to happen unless it happens through a maidservant. And so Abraham has a child with the maidservant. That child is born. That child is named Ishmael. 25 years after God made that promise to Abraham, then another child is born, another son. This is the one of promise. This is the one that God told them that they would have. And they name this child Isaac. So now you have two kids, Isaac and Ishmael. And because of their doubt, there is now division. And that division has carried on even to this day. And you can trace all the wars that are going on all the way back to that time when the enemy was able to cause doubt in the mind. Doubt that that's what God was going to do. And He was able to cause things to happen that are still affecting our world today. That is what the enemy wants to do. And he wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in my life. He wants to do that in every church that uh, preaches the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants to do that all around our world. And sometimes we look and say, he's doing a pretty good job. And so how do we stand against that? The second thing is, is he wants to cause division between people. He knows that if he can divide, he can conquer. He wants to cause division in the home, division in the church, division in your workplace, division in our community. He wants to cause division uh, between different races. He wants to cause division from nation to nation. And he is actively working, trying to cause division everywhere that he can. So if he can get us to doubt God, and he can divide us, then he knows that he can conquer. So those are two of the strong things that he comes against us with. But we have a supernatural power that we can stand and stand firm against him. But then notice also we have a supernatural protection. There's a supernatural protection and he tells us that we need to put on the full armor of God. Now I want you to get a picture of this. Paul is in chains. He's probably chained to a Roman soldier, or at least he's nearby. And so what the enemy is using for evil against Paul's life, Paul is now able to turn and give us a picture of how we are to dress for spiritual battle each and every day of our life. So he says that we are to put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. Now he's not telling us to put on parts of the armor of God. You know, it'd be real easy for us. Well, today I know that Satan's going to be trying to attack my mind, so I'm just going to put on the helmet of salvation. That's all I need today. 
tomorrow I'm going to go out and I'm going to share the good news of the gospel. So all I need is the gospel shoes of peace. That's all I need. No, he says put on the full armor of God. And that putting on the full armor of God is putting it on once and for all. It's not putting it on, taking it off, putting it on, taking... You know, sometimes things are going very well in our life. And it's great when things are going well, right? I like it when things are going well and things are going good and we begin to let down our guard. And can I just say, when things are going good and you start to let down your guard, that's probably the time you need to be very cautious. Because we have an enemy that is roaming around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And if he sees a crack in our armor, he knows right where to go. How do I know that? Because it's happened to me personally. That's what he does. That's what he does. He wants to come after us and everything will be going smooth and we let the guard down and then here he comes and he blindsides us just like on a paintball field. When people turn on you and you don't even know where that came from, he's got a way of doing that. So let's run through these real quick. We don't have time today. Well, we could have time. It would be about four o'clock when we get out, but no, getting too many no's. All right. So we're going to run through these real quickly. Um, There is a lot of stuff here that we're going to look at and dive into. So I would encourage you to go and, and read God's word and see more about these. But notice, first of all, he says, put on the belt of truth. We're to pick up the belt of truth, which wraps completely around us and surrounds us with God's promises. It is important for us to know God's truth. When the enemy comes after us and says, did God really say? We ought to be able to say, absolutely, that's what God said. And that's God's truth. And it's his truth that I'm going to stand on in my life. In John 8, 44, he says that Satan is a liar. There is no truth that is found in him. And he goes on to say that not only is Satan a liar, but Satan is the, fa- the father of all lies. Satan is a liar and he hates the truth. And so when we put on the belt of truth, we're putting on the truth that we find in God's word. The truth that we know comes from God and we're able to stand firm with the belt of truth. Then he says the breastplate of righteousness to put on the the body armor, which is the breastplate. And it is used to protect all the vital organs of the Roman soldier and, and our soldiers today. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let me remind you today that in our own, we are not righteous at all. But our righteousness now now comes through the salvation that we have in Christ. We are righteous because of Him. And when we have that salvation on and we remember who we are in Christ, that protects our vital organs. And then he says, put on the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace is of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having our feet fitted with the shoes of the gospel of peace allows us to be ready to share the good news of the gospel of Christ everywhere that we go. Whenever we come across people who don't don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, we have our feet fitted with the shoes of peace. We're able to relay the peace of God and how we can have that in our lives. Then the shield of faith. I love the shield of faith because when you look back at those Roman soldiers, they would have a shield with them. Sometimes they could get down behind the shield. Sometimes they could hold them up because the enemy would be shooting flaming arrows at them. And 
So this shield would have a leather outer piece. And that leather outer piece, they would take it and they would soak it in water. So when that flaming arrow would hit it, the flame would be extinguished. And the arrow would not be able to pierce through that shield. So they were protected by the shield of faith. And the shield of faith we are to have because the enemy, again, is looking for a way to devour us. And he is shooting arrows at us constantly. And we take that shield of faith and we hold it up and we fight off the enemy. Then he says, put on the helmet of salvation. Our armor would not be complete without a helmet to protect our head, which is our thoughts, our mind. It protects the brain, where we think, and how we operate. And that helmet is very important when we go into battle. And it's the helmet of salvation. Again, remembering who we are in Christ. And we are bombarded every day with all kinds of garbage to put into our mind. All kinds of stuff that's out there that can discourage us, that can bring us down. And when we remember who we are in Christ, and when we remember the salvation that we have for Him, we can protect ourselves from those things. Then he says, the sword of the Spirit. We are to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's why it's very important for us to know God's Word. It's very important for us to hide God's Word in our hearts so that we won't sin against Him. But it's important for us to be able to stand firm against the enemy by knowing God's Word. That's why we tell you every week, let's open God's Word together. Did you know that God's Word was Jesus' weapon of choice? When Satan came against him in the wilderness and Satan was trying to tempt him, what did Jesus do? He quoted Scripture back at him. And every time was able to shut the enemy down through God's Word. This is our offensive weapon. The others are defensive. This is our offensive weapon where we're able to stand against the enemy. The sword of the Spirit. And then I want you to notice the last thing. We have a supernatural communication. Even though this is not listed there as part of the armor that we put on, it's really still part of our armor. But notice what he says in verse 18. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. He says to pray how often? All times. To constantly be praying. This is a supernatural communication that we have with the God of the universe. The God that created all this and He's given us the ability to come and to have a conversation with Him. And He says we need to constantly be praying. That does not mean to pray when things just start getting bad. It doesn't mean to pray if you feel like praying. He's saying constantly be in prayer in the Spirit. Always praying. Having that communication with God, but not just praying for yourself, but praying for all believers everywhere. And Paul goes on to say, continue to pray for me. I'm in chains, but continue to pray that I will continue to spread the gospel message, this mystery, to share it to others so that they can know. Prayer is so important in our lives. And prayer is such a wonderful power that we have where we can communicate with God himself. Prayer is vital to our life. But I think sometimes prayer is that thing that we neglect the most. We have this opportunity to spend time with God 
through prayer. And he says, don't neglect that. Keep that up. Pray at all times, on every occasion. Pray for others. Continue to pray. It's very important to have that prayer, that communication with the Father. So I want you to think about what we've read in this passage. And again, I challenge you, go home, look through it again. Look through the armor that's available to us. But as we think about that and think about being battle ready, are you battle ready in your life? Are you doing what he has said that we need to do every day? And as you think about that, ask yourself this question, God, what do I need to see through your word today? God, speak to me. Show me what I need to know through your word. And then be obedient to him and whatever he shows you what you need to do. Let's pray together. As you bow your head and close your eyes this morning, today if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the most important decision you can ever make in your life is trusting Christ. Trusting Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Again, there's a battle that's going on. And if you've never given your life to Christ, that battle right now is for your very life. For your soul. And today I encourage you, would you say yes to Jesus? Would you follow Him today? Would you make Him the Lord and Savior of your life? For those of you that have already done that, maybe you did that a long, long time ago. Maybe it's been recent. Remember, you're in a battle each and every day. But God has equipped you to be able to stand strong in Him. How are you doing in that? Father, I thank you again for your word today. God, I pray for each person that's here. God, I pray that today your word would just challenge our hearts. And God, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today your spirit would draw them unto yourself and that they would say yes to you. God, I pray for believers here today. Maybe there's a strong battle that they are going through. God, I pray that today they would just be reminded of the strength that we have in you. God, you don't promise to take us out of the battle, but you are there with us and you will see us through. So God, we thank you for that. God, I pray that as we leave today that your word would just uh, speak to our hearts as we go throughout this week and we would be obedient and following you in whatever way you lead. In Christ's name I pray, amen.